Welcome to the Business of Agriculture, a podcast created to enlighten, inspire, and inform those who work in or depend on the world's most important endeavor, agriculture. Here's your host, Damian Mason. Hey, thanks for joining us here on the Business of Agriculture. It's me, Damian Mason, but you already knew that because you heard it in the introduction. Got a great show for you today. We're talking to Darren Kopik. He is the CEO and president of Agricultural Retailers Association. What we're going to be talking about? Well, first off, the Bayer settlement. Bayer has decided they're going to give $10.9 billion to the 95,000 plaintiffs that have said that they got cancer because of glyphosate. We'll talk about where that goes, what that means for all of agriculture. We're also going to talk about the dicamba situation because he's got a big handle on that. Before we get going, a couple of things that you need to remember, dear listener, is that this podcast is not just an audio podcast, it's also a video. That's right. I would love for you to go to my website, I'm sorry, to my YouTube channel. It's D Mason Comedy, hearkening back to my old days as a political comedian. Damian Mason. Just go on YouTube and search Damian Mason. You'll see it right there and you can hit subscribe and all of a sudden you'll be on uh, my YouTube channel and uh, please subscribe. Uh, also, this podcast is brought to you by Harvest Profit. That's right, my good friend Nick Horeb up in Fargo, North Dakota. They have clients in 26 states and four provinces that use their services. What is it, Harvest Profit? It's a software solution for your agricultural enterprise that will make you more profitable, manage all of your business. Go to harvestprofit.com and check it out. All right, Darren Kopic, give it to me. Uh, Wall Street Journal headline two days ago. Bayer to pay up to $10.9 billion to settle lawsuits over Roundup Weed Killer. 95,000 lawsuits went from a few thousand to 45,000 to 95,000. Still more coming, and this doesn't even insulate them from future lawsuits. What do you think? Well, I, the tally of lawsuits at one point was over 50,000, so it'll be interesting to see if this actually uh, plugs the hole in the dam or not. Uh, you know, our, our concern about this was that if if there's a settlement, whether Bayer admits any fault, guilt, responsibility or not, which they're not, uh, that there would be a precedent set where courts would make these decisions about, about pesticides rather than, uh, than EPA. And so the science-based regulatory system that we built decades uh, putting together and, and designing is now at risk of being undermined by, by court decisions. Uh, and so, you know, even if the products remains labeled and is able to be sold and used according to the label, you could see a situation where somebody downstream in the food chain, think uh, some branded food company decides, well, there's a court decision against this product. I don't want it in my supply chain. And so they may play gatekeeper. I hope they don't. I hope they trust EPA's judgment on this. But uh, you could see all kinds of mischief come from a settlement. The flip side of that is that there are 10 and a half billion reasons why Bears Board needed to do this. Yeah, okay, so All little green pieces of paper. Yeah, so let's, uh, let's, before we get into the money part of it and the actual business decision, let's talk about the bigger thing. You know, you represent uh, all the folks out there that make crop production through crop protection. You know, you're out here um, on behalf of all the people that grow food. Many of these lawsuits had nothing to do. They, you know, remember it started with a guy that was a school janitor that sprayed some weed killer in a damn parking lot around a school. You could clearly uh, 
make a big case that this had nothing to do with uh, his exposure to this because you've got farmers and uh, crop protection people like your clients that use chemicals every day that don't have this. So they never went with that. They um, also, I've pointed out again and again, this never had anything to do with the science to begin with. You know, you just said that we're losing science-based, um, uh, you know, reality when it comes to this. This never had to do with science. There, if it was about science, they wouldn't have tried the first three cases all in San Francisco. So uh, they, they did it in a anti-agriculture uh, jurisdiction in a very left-leaning uh, zip code that also where the jury has clearly been trained over 20 years of media to hate Monsanto. You know, Monsanto became uh, this thing. It's like, it's, it's easy to be against Monsanto because your neighbor's doing it. Why, why, I, I think it was a wrong decision for, for the whole thing, but you know, you talk about the science. Bayer lost because they kept going down the road of science, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty hard to have a pesticide regulatory system that isn't based on science. If it's gonna be based on the whims of a court, uh, one in San Francisco especially, what's the incentive for somebody like Bayer to invest in the next generation of crop protection products? If they can spend $400 million in a dozen years getting a product developed, labeled, registered and out to market, only to have an activist court take it away, that's not a very good equation for encouraging investment in this sector. And so I, I don't think the NGOs that keep bringing these suits in the Ninth Circuit realize that if they take away all their tool, all of the tools that we use in agriculture, uh, we're going to be left with hoes and fly swatters and a lot more tillage. And I hope they're going to volunteer and bring their hose and come help. Well, you and I both know that's not going to happen. And what we really are, we, we, we are in the business of agriculture, bigger picture. We are more and more, uh, uh, our practices and our ability to produce food is dictated by activists versus, because they're better, they're better at fighting, frankly. They, they, they create a media spectacle and they, there is very bright how they do things. They create a media spectacle. They create a common opinion and then they use the lawsuits. They, they don't go about changing laws, they just go about it through uh, the courts. And then of course, as you said, they do it in very liberal, liberal left-leaning jurisdictions. So if it's going to be something against agriculture, it's not gonna happen in Des Moines. It's not gonna, no. it's gonna happen right. in here, you know, in Huntington, Indiana, where I live, it's gonna happen in San Francisco. Where do you see this going? Well, we've, we've made a couple comments specifically about the dicamba ruling that the Ninth Circuit made where they vacated the registrations on those three products. And it was a, an odd situation where this court in San Francisco decided that they knew better than EPA did. And out of the 34 states that had labels for that product, only one of them was in the Ninth District anyway. So a court in San Francisco is going to tell everybody else in the country that EPA's process is invalid. Uh, it's crazy. Until we can get the system pinned back on making a scientific evaluation, we're going to continue facing this kind of nonsense. And, you know, the activists are going to move from one product to the next. If they're successful with, with these two, they're going to move to other stuff and try to take the rest of the tools away because that's, frankly, that's what drives their model. You know, everybody says follow the money. If you follow the money in those NGO groups, they raise their money by scaring people and filing lawsuits. And so if they don't keep doing that, they don't have income either. 
Okay, dear listener, I know that you have been tuned in faithfully to the Business of Agriculture podcast, and if you have been, you know that you have heard my assessment and what Darren uh, Kopic with the Agricultural Retailers Association just said. You've heard me say again and again and again. Okay, <clears throat> I've been I was on stage several years ago. So Bayer buys Monsanto for sixty-three billion dollars, and with that came this legacy of lawsuits against. No, it wasn't really about the lawsuits. It was about the anti-Monsanto movement because activist groups realized they could create this common villain. That's what they do. They create the common villain and then get, as Lennon called them, the useful idiots. <clears throat> Activism always uses the same model. It does. Look at the protests right now. The useful idiots go and tear down a statue of Ulysses S. Grant. Uh, and uh, and the, there's a group behind that. Trust me, there's a group behind that that's profiting or getting their, their whim pushed through legally. That's what happens. So on this case, I said like seven years ago, I said, where do you think this ends? BASF, Syngenta, uh, Corteva, which used to be DuPont and Dow. Do you think that they, these other big, like when you had six chemical companies, Darren, they were happy, the other five, just to let Monsanto be assaulted. And I was of the opinion, like, what do you not understand? Do you, you know, you think this is great because you're not being, uh, who do you think is next? You know, it's like, hey, hey, the bully's going over there. The the crowd's over there beating the shit out of this guy, but I'm okay because they'll never come for me. Who do you think is next? Clearly, this this is a business model for activists and then activists teamed up with trial lawyers. And so you've got a wonderful thing. The business model is let's tell everybody that Monsanto is evil. And then let's say that Monsanto gave this janitor of the school cancer. And now let's go to San Francisco and sue. Oh, that worked out pretty well. You trial lawyers all took one third. $10.9 billion. You know what one third of that is? That's a big number. Three, three and a half, four, three and a half to $4 billion. So what are they going to do? Oh, that worked out really well. We just, we just funded our winter home. Let's see. What's next? Oh, let's go and sue. BASF. Let's go into Syngenta. Let's go into, mm-hmm. that's where I see this going. You? That's the path we're on. Absolutely. And so, and frankly, I don't know the way to get it stopped unless there's some way to, to convince the courts that they need to defer to the agencies like they do in every other regulatory matter. And, and at this point, it's going to take the Supreme Court to uh, instruct the Ninth Circuit that they went too far. I frankly don't know if that's going to happen. First thing's got to, EPA has to appeal to the Supremes first to make that happen. Yeah, well, here's the problem. <clears throat> Bayer caved. Uh, I, I, they fought it wrong the whole time. They went with the science. Science doesn't win lawsuits. Science doesn't win arguments. Science doesn't do anything because we got a country where one-fourth of the American people don't know that the earth revolves around the sun. Uh, that was a study by the uh, American Science Foundation. And you're going to go into a courtroom and argue science. <clears throat> I get your point, Darren, that we need to use science with the EPA. <clears throat> but we sure as hell don't do any good using science in the courtroom. They don't get it. But then Bayer decided after three times of doing it wrong and losing, okay, let's just give up $10.9 billion. So the point is now it's, it's pretty much a given. We're not going to fight it. We're just going to give up. Well, you know what? <laughs> that becomes the old thing of I'm walking down the street. Somebody, somebody comes up to me and says, give me your money. Okay, I'm scared. Here's my money. If you don't fight, if you don't fight, then you're going to be giving up money all the time. Well, and, and now the trial, trialers have a third of a $10 billion settlement that gives them an incentive to go find the next one. 
So the, the incentive is for them to continue what they're doing. And somehow we got we to gotta stop that. Yeah, um, a long time ago, they taught me something uh, that uh, humans do what they're incentivized to do. And uh, one third of $10.9 billion, by the way, that's only the beginning. <clears throat> According to this article, it looks like there still is uh, room for more. Um, it says the company said it would set aside another $1.25 billion to work toward a resolution of future claims, including funding a panel to evaluate whether the product causes cancer. Funding a panel to evaluate mm -hmm. whether the, okay, so of course you know the answer on that's going to be the panel decided that it doesn't cause cancer because of course the panel was funded by a Bayer. No court's going to, no jury is going to believe any of that. So still it doesn't, they're, they're, they're going about this, in my opinion, they did it all wrong. But that, that panel, according to the language and in in what I've seen, is set up such that if the court, if that panel decides that it is not causing cancer, future plaintiffs will be barred from using that in court. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know how all those precedents and things fit together. But, you know, it seems like we've had all this science and every regulatory body in the world has said the stuff is safe. But let's have one more and maybe that'll really answer the question. I, I'm with you. I, I don't think the courts operate on science and logic anymore. At least that one in the Ninth Circuit doesn't. Right. So, <clears throat> so I, I believe that this is wrong. Uh, what's your prediction? What happens next? Well, we're, we'll see the rest of these cases play out on uh, on Dicamba. I mean, the, the 2020 re registration decision is now in play, and we've asked EPA to make that decision as quickly as possible, so that if the answer is no everybody can prepare ahead of time and know what we're going to do to kill weeds next year. Um, and we'll see what happens with the rest of the glyphosate cases. But I think that if, if the activists are successful with these two products, they're going to point it at atrazine. They're going to go for 2,4-D. They're going to go for anything else that's in their portfolio that's widely used uh, will be the next target. Yeah, I agree. The thing is, uh, you know, Bayer is far from the only company that makes glyphosate. Uh, hell, it hasn't been on label. It hasn't been on a patent since what the like about twenty years. Uh, it's been a long time. I don't remember how long. Yeah, I mean, we started being able to get generic glyphosate at least twenty years ago. So, isn't it interesting? Uh, they didn't go after the nine different manufacturers of generic glyphosate. They went after Monsanto slash Bayer. Why? Mm -hmm. Because there was already a movement. This is what, again, my agricultural friend seems to understand. They keep saying, but it doesn't make sense. It's never about sense. It's about dollars, right? Deep it's about pockets. Yep. It's about deep there, pockets. There was already a movement against Monsanto, marches against Monsanto, the same Whole Foods shoppers. They didn't know anything. They didn't know Corteva, Dow, DuPont, BAS, Syngenta, Valen. They didn't know any of these other chemical companies. But by God, they knew Monsanto was evil because Monsanto made them there. Those, those what are the GM, GMOs? All that now happens next because it's a great business model. If you are a fundraising nonprofit, you then create the next villain. I predict the next villain will probably be, it's gotta be something that's mainstream. It's gotta be something that you can buy at the store. That's why it works so magically for them to make this money off of Roundup. So you think it's atrazine, whatever. The problem is those aren't consumer brands. So give me one that is a consumer brand. Well, something like We'd Be Gone Max that's got 240 in it. It's go. probably gonna be toward the top of the list. Yeah, so. Uh, yeah. It's we, interesting to, to me that there's also a Roundup for lawns that they sell at Home Depot, it doesn't have glyphosate in it, which confuses even me, let alone the general consumer who doesn't know this, these products very well. 
Yeah, so 2,4-D we've been using since 1940s. Uh, you know, it came into vogue after uh, World War II. It made the reason, it's the reason we have 200 bushel corn out here, you know, when we used to have 60 bushel corn. Mm -hmm. um, so we'd be gone, I think, ortho. And, and so it's going to have to be a, a something that a consumer, but if they're only going to sue chemicals that are used in agriculture, you have a smaller list of plaintiffs. But you know, they still only had 95,000 plaintiffs. Think about that. Only 95,000. So if the money becomes as good as it is, $10.9 billion, I would fathom that you could probably find 95,000 farmers that uh, you know have cancer over time. My brother died of cancer three years ago. He was a farmer. Um, hey, uh, <clears throat> get a few of them together and sue everybody. So it's probably one of the wide, widely used chemicals, but then which company is next? Your prediction. I couldn't tell you. Um, I think it depends more on which product has the bigger market exposure and where the biggest dollars are. So um, since 240 is off patent now too, I'm not sure who you go to to, to get that one. Uh, they've already filed suit against Enlist, the new 240 formulation that Corteva has, which just baffles me. The products that they're picking on are the new formulations of Dicamba and 2,4-D that are formulated for less drift. Isn't that what we want? But we're going to take the new tools off the table. No, but again, as you said, the uh, the science has never mattered. And I said the science has never mattered. It's not about that. It's about what your uh, what, what the consumer what, what the consumer and what a court what you can do in a court. Uh, do we end up losing chemicals? Do we think we do we end up losing chemistry because of this? that's the path we're on? Yeah, and and, and Dicamba is the first one that's in the shoot. Whatever EPA decides to do with over-the-top dicamba for corn and soybeans and or, sorry for uh, soybeans and cotton next year, that'll be the first indication. Uh, but you've already seen an indication where these companies are starting to pull back from research commitments. Bayer announced that they're not going to build a dicamba plant in Louisiana uh, because of oversupply globally for the product. Well, <laughs> I've got to believe it's tied to this situation with the labels and the and the vacature by the Ninth Circuit. No question. Uh, by the way, dear listener, you are tuned in to the Business of Agriculture podcast, which is sponsored by my good friends at Harvest Profit. You should go to harvestprofit.com. Read some of the blogs there. There's a great blog that Nick Horbett puts out every week. Uh, it, it'll help your business. It's a short read. It'll, it'll make you think about your business in a different way. And also experiment with this product. You can get 14 days of free trial with Harvest Profit. And it's a, it's a software solution to make your business more profitable that's what you're out here doing you know you're trying to work okay great you like the lifestyle i want to be a farmer i want to be in the business of agriculture that's all cool but it doesn't pay the bills you've got to run your business as a business harvest profit can help you do that okay um i i see us losing chemistry uh this was a this was a situation where bayer sat there you talked about it they buy roundup they buy glide i'm sorry they buy monsanto for 63 billion dollars uh, now they just factor another $11 billion. So really Monsanto cost them $74 billion. You and I both are business people. Their return on investment just went down considerably because essentially that, that acquisition cost them, uh, you know, about 15% uh, more than they really gave for right. it. Right. Right. And also potentially another couple billion down the road. They made the decision as a company. They were getting screamed at uh, a year ago. They talked about their board meetings and they talked about their shareholder meetings. People were standing up and screaming, you screwed up, you didn't do your research. And then the activists win because now they got Bayer ownership and management turning on itself. 
Now what does Bayer do? Bayer gives this money away and moves happily down the road? No, Bayer, as you said, stops funding stuff. What's your, what's, what's your outcome? What do you think happens? Well, um, I wish I had a, a crystal ball, but once, once somebody uh, settles and provides $10.5 billion in settlement money for this, whether they admit fault or not, uh, it's the incentive to, to keep doing it as far as the activists and trial lawyers are concerned. And so I don't see it changing. I think that, that those folks will identify another product, another company, they'll come after something else because that's what's going to buy their summer home in Jamaica, you know, that kind of stuff. So, uh, uh, but I, I do understand from, from the point of view of Bayer's board of directors, they've got to be stewards, fiduciary stewards of the investments that the shareholders give them and protect those from risks that they can, that they can and I'm sure the board viewed this as a way to try to contain that risk and move beyond it. Uh, I hope it works, but I'm not 100% confident that it will. Yeah, there's always this thing, and it's always struck me. Uh, you know, I'm out here, I'm a scrapper. Uh, I'm the youngest of nine kids. I've been fighting, uh, you know, I've, I've had to be a fighter. Um, I don't give in. And there's always this thing among large corporations. It's always just, okay, we'll give you some money, go away. And there's this, I guess... I understand it from a business stance. It's just easier just to keep doing what you do and then throw some money at it. But the problem is it doesn't go away. It, 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 whatever that thing is, because as you said, and as I said, <clears throat> it becomes, oh, well, this works. And it doesn't matter. I mean, Quaker Oats is giving $5 million to uh, uh, Black Lives Matter or whatever that is over the whole, the fact that they had a product called Aunt Jemima. And they think that's going to make the problem go away. No, you fund, what you fund, you create. <laughs> what you mm -hmm. fund, you embolden. So I see this becoming an absolute business model where all these companies then, I, I would say if I were on the board of any of the other big chemical companies, I'd say, you better go ahead and set aside your 10.9 billion because they're coming for you. And, and if your business model is you're just gonna give in, what do you think? Well, uh, that's certainly a, a scenario that I'm sure being talked about in some other boardrooms after this happened. Uh, but like you say, if, if we provide this kind of an incentive to the activists and trial lawyers to continue picking away at our tools and our industry, the long-term prospect for us is not good. We're going to be back to those hoes and flies waters and conservation tillage is going to go away because we've got to use a plow to kill cheatgrass and other stuff that we can't kill with, with chemicals anymore. So, um, I'm not sure what the answer is, Damien, but I don't like the path that we're on. I don't either. Tell me about the people that belong to the Agricultural Retailers Association. They, they didn't give $10.9 billion away. They are sellers, resellers, and appliers of things like Bayer's products. What are, the, what are, the, are they caught in the middle? Are they going to get sued? What's going on with them? I don't think they'll get sued for it, uh, mainly because most of them don't have terribly deep pockets compared to the manufacturers anyway, and so they're not a, a prime target. But, you know, our role in this is, and our members' role, is to provide uh, the trusted advisor relationship to farmers, help them decide what it is that we need to put down in terms of seed and crop protection and fertilizer. Um, all of those are going to be labeled legal products, and so our members have no role uh, at least in their retail function, about whether those products are legal or not. So we're just kind of the, the support staff middle person uh, and don't really have a stake in whether the products are registered or not. Uh, what about, I, I heard through the grapevine, um, 
a year ago that some ag retailers like your members uh, were getting pressure from their insurance companies that they were afraid that this litigation trickled down. Are you hearing anything like that? We heard a little bit about that early on when the first glyphosate cases were handled in, in California. Uh, I actually visited with one of the big carriers that represent that handles a lot of business for ag retailers. And their stance at that point was that the lawsuits had just been filed. They weren't sure what was going to happen or who was going to be named as defendants. And so they were keeping their powder dry until, until those things developed. I've not closed the loop with them to see if anything's changed. Uh, I do know that a few of our members were told that you're going to have to pay a big premium increase or have glyphosate excluded from your policy, but they were able to find alternative carriers and get that business taken care of. Okay. So uh, for your members and for the people out here that are producing the food, um, you don't think there's a lot of change. They still have access to the, they still have access to the products and your people are, your members are not afraid to spray, apply, buy, sell, do what they do right now. Uh, that's true for glyphosate. The, the clock just ran out on over the top dicamba. I mean, other dicamba is still fine, but we all eyes are on what EPA does for 2021 as far as whether we can use Extendamax, Ingenia, and Flexapen next year. We don't know that answer yet. What's your prediction? Oh, I'm not going to predict that. Is it legal? Is it, is, it, is it become the legal thing? I mean, the EPA is really an activist organization themselves. Uh, you know, it's, it's well known that there are staffers at EPA that came from activist organizations and then EPA employees spin off from EPA and go and run activist organizations. So it's, you're not talking about a science-based uh, bipartisan uh, organization. You're talking about uh, an organization that's somewhat activist. So they, do they find, do they help you? Do they hurt, hurt us? I think they hurt us. Well, uh, there, there's kind of two ways to look at EPA. One is the political leadership and one is the scientific expertise. And the scientific expertise, I think, is still very solid, even though it's been uh, uh, whittled down and downsized a bit in the last few years. But we still count on that, that rigorous scientific review on new products, both for our own satisfaction and uh, safety but also for those of the farmer customers and consumers down the road and the environment. Um, the political leadership does change depending on the administration. We've had a really good relationship the last three years with, with EPA and on their, uh, the, the, the cancellation order for Dicamba over the top, they did everything they could to reasonably accommodate stuff that was already in the channel rather than just saying nobody can use anything ever. Uh, they tried to accommodate us and so, uh, we've worked pretty well with the, the Office of Pesticide Programs on these things. They do what they need to do. They've got laws that they have to be responsive to, but uh, they've, they've tried to help where they can. You're, you're, you're making me feel better about that situation. Uh, back to the glyphosate thing. <clears throat> we've already predicted the next chemical. I can't predict the next company, but I can tell you it's going to be all of them. It's going to be the, one of the other big four. Um, that it's going to get sued because this has become a business model for activists. The activists, you're saying, but the activists don't do the suing. You know, the activists get fundraising, right? Isn't that how this works? The activists create the illusion and create the movement. <clears throat> the trial lawyers make the money and the plaintiffs make the money, but the activist organizations do the fundraising. Am I right? Well, the activist organizations also have a lot of the legal counsel on their teams also. Uh, Center for Food Safety, that's their whole business model is is uh, get some money so we can go sue somebody 
and there are others like it. So it, it's kind of a blend between the two, but yeah. it, the, the model's accurate. Yeah, like I said, Environmental Working Group didn't necessarily do the suing, but they will have a boatload of fundraising that comes about because of this, because they were the ones that spearheaded the anti-Monsanto movement. So what do I need to think about? What do I need to think about? What do I need to think about for uh, the future of my business? What do I need to think about for the future of the industry? Well, uh, agriculture is, is uh, one of the more adaptable industries around. So uh, no matter what happens with over the top next year or these other products, you know, we're gonna find some kind of an answer. And so I think I, I'm counting on that optimism and hope of the industry, but I just hope we don't make it so difficult that, that uh, you know, we end up hollowing out a whole bunch of this industry with people that just can't, businesses that can't function uh, in a in an era with no tools, uh, restricted labor, you know whatever else is coming down the road, we're putting some strain on our food production system, and there's going to be a reckon a reckoning of that someday somehow. Who pays that ten point nine billion dollars? That's the thing that a lot of people seem to not understand. Who pays it? <laughs> Whoever buys bigger products, and ultimately, so it, it it'll be uh, farmers that are buying chemicals. I don't know if that also means if you buy bare aspirin, you're going to be contributing to that too. I mean, it, it is one company, but it, it eventually comes from their customers. And eventually it means all of us because, again, it'll be even the buyer of a non-bayer product because it's kind of all the same thing. I mean, it's all, it's, it's going to be, okay, well, we've got to build these things in. The next company is going to say, we need to build this in because uh, we, we, we see the, the lawsuit coming. Um, <clears throat> closing thoughts. You've got to go, and I, and I don't want to hold anybody up. Closing thoughts on this and everything else. His name, is, by the way, is Darren Coppick. You should check out Agricultural Retailers Association. They represent how many people you represent? About 5,000 outlets nationwide. 5,000 outlets that put the crop protection products out there that make it so that the food comes in. That's, that's, a, that's a noble mission. You and I met almost 10 years ago at an event in uh, Wisconsin. So anyway. What, what do I need to know? What do I need to think about? Future, give me some outlook. I think the focus needs to be on the incentives, whether it's incentives to, for farmers to do a certain thing, whether it's incentives to the courts and the NGOs to do a certain kind of a thing. Uh, as you said earlier, people do what they're incented to do. And we've got to make sure that the incentives, the market signals that are out there are actually encouraging the kind of behavior that we all want in the long run. And right now we're not there. No, the incentive is clearly now to uh, file a lawsuit and, uh, and, and uh, take, take the money. You know, the business uh, that could do this, I predicted a while back, a year ago, that Bayer might be actually bankrupted. <clears throat> but instead, they came up with $10.9 billion, a number that they could afford, although it hurts them very greatly. Do we see a company get bankrupted over this? Do we see a company go away? Uh, I don't know if you'll see one that just goes underwater, but you'll, you may see a merger as a result. Yeah. 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 Which means then we have less choice. <laughs> Mergers right. and acquisitions mean that we end up with less choice. We end up with, uh, basically the lawsuits end up making, uh, you know, big Kings out of, uh, some of these organizations. All right. Any last thought, last idea, last thing you want to leave people with, and then we're going to go. I think we covered it and I'm, I'm up against my stop. So I'm awesome. to run. 
You're awesome. All right. His name is Darren Kopic. Uh, if you're bored, check out uh, Agricultural Retailers Association. You're listening to the Business of Agriculture podcast, and I really appreciate you doing this. And a reminder, this podcast is brought to you by the good people at Harvest Profit. Check out harvestprofit.com, a software solution for your agricultural enterprise that's being used in 24, 26 states and four provinces, so you can use it no matter where you are. Thank you, Darren Kopic. Thank you. All Have right. a good day. Until next time, it's the Business of Agriculture. If you've enjoyed this episode of The Business of Agriculture, please share it with your network. Be sure to connect with Damien on LinkedIn, like his Facebook fan page, and follow him on Instagram and Twitter. For speaking inquiries or to purchase Damien's books, Food Fear, or Do Business Better, go to DamienMason.com.